All right, time for our weekly fantasy football update. For a second consecutive week, a horrible injury on a Monday night. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports by John McKechnie of rotowire.com. John, let's start with the Nick Chubb injury. We both love Chubb as a player. Uh, it seems like he's a tremendous human being also, and cer- certainly we're sad about his knee injury. But on the fantasy front, should Chubb owners just uh, go out and add Jerome Ford, who looked pretty good last night after the Chubb injury? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, totally crestfallen about about the Chubb injury. He's, uh, yeah, my, my favorite player in the NFL, obviously, George Bulldog. And, um, you know, he had an awful knee injury at Tennessee uh, during his college days. And, and this, you know, the, the fact that it, it's something very, very similar happened to the same knee uh, last night is, is really uh, just kind of upsetting, uh, if nothing else. But, um, you know, as, as it comes to the fantasy world, as you know, we, we got to just keep pushing forward. Um, obviously, Jerome Ford, if he's available in leagues, becomes the priority add this week. And um, what, what, what Cleveland opts to do next, I think, is very interesting um, because they, they obviously have a relationship with, with uh, Kareem Hunt, who, who's been on the team for a couple of years, a free agent, uh, as we're talking right now. But I, I do wonder if uh, they're going to bring him in to at least work out and see if they can get something together. And then if uh, if you play in like a free agent budget league and you, know, you, you don't want to spend 50% of it on – uh, Jerome Ford, I do believe that Pierre Strong is something of an interesting speculative addition if you have room on your bench or an easy drop uh, to make because Pierre Strong comes over from the Patriots, didn't really get much in the way of traction uh, last season as a rookie, um, but you know he, he came into the league in uh, out of South Dakota State, so, so not a big-name guy, but ran the fastest 40 of any running back at the Combine mm. in 2022. Has, has some impressive stuff. Uh, to his game, and, and uh, you know, if not for Ramondre Stevenson and, and Ezekiel Elliott, I, I felt like uh, you know there's a chance that he would have eventually carved out a role in New England. And now, uh, with, with Chubb being out of the equation for this season, and who knows how much longer um, in Cleveland, I think Strong gets a look. I don't think Cleveland would have made the move to, to get pick him up this summer if they didn't see uh, some form of potential. Uh, in Pierre Strong. So he's another guy to keep on the radar as kind of like a secondary addition uh, for your waivers this week. Also last night, Tony Jones scored two touchdowns in the Saints win. Do we have interest in him or do we just kind of pass because Alvin Kamara is expected to be back after the suspension? He'll be back in week four. At least that's what's scheduled right now. Right. So two touchdowns. That's nice. 12 carries for 34 yards. Less so. Um, so against Carolina, uh, no, no less. So I, uh, I'm tempering my expectations on, on Tony Jones. Uh, I view him as like maybe a DFS only type of guy. Uh, he might have some utility for this week, but this is not a, a long term fix uh, for your roster, for your backfield, for your flex position. However, uh, you want to approach it. But uh, averaging under three yards a carry against the 31st ranked. Um, run defense doesn't really scream to me like you, you need to run to the waiver wire to, to pick him up. It also looks like Kendrick Miller made the trip uh, this week out, out to Carolina, so he might be a little bit closer to action. We'll obviously have to pay attention to what, what's going on with Jamal Williams, but um, I, I feel like Kendrick Miller, um, if, if he continues to progress, he might be the guy this week, and Tony Jones is, is going to be one of those things where you know if you're prop betting 
on Monday night. You lucked out. Um, but beyond that, I, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of uh, fantasy sticking uh, power with, with, um, with Tony Jones. Okay, I was actually going to start this segment with the running backs even before last night's injuries, but obviously uh, you know, what happened last night with the injury and then Jones scoring two touchdowns uh, kind of uh, moved ahead of the list here a little bit, but Saquon Barkley's ankle injury because he suffered here against the uh, the Cardinals in the Giants' final drive. He's going to apparently going to be out a few weeks. Is Matt Breida a pickup? But the Giants, you know, they play at San Francisco on Thursday night. And University of Arizona alum Gary Brightwell got some snaps in that uh, second running back role on Sunday against the Cardinals. So is Breida a pass, or do we just take him and take our chances? This one is really tricky to figure out because, uh, you know, this is not an impressive depth chart behind Saquon Barkley. And, you know, obviously if you're the Giants, why would you invest a whole bunch in your backfield behind Saquon Barkley if you're paying Saquon Barkley what you're paying him? So, it makes sense that it's it's not uh, a overly appealing group back there. Um, I do think that Matt Breida is the best of that bunch. I am lightly intrigued by rookie Eric Gray, though, out of Oklahoma by, by way um, of Tennessee. I thought he was really efficient. His last year at, at Oklahoma, you know, 6.4 yards per carry, uh, caught three-fourths of his targets at, at a pretty decent uh, yards per target clip. Um, we'll see if, if he, you know, ends up being active. He might be a bit too much of a, of a deep cut um, to, to really be worth anything outside of, like, very, very deep formats. So if, if I'm handicapping the, this Giants backfield for the next couple of weeks, um, I am casting my lot with, with Matt Breida. Um, but I, I'm not overly confident that, you know, he ends up crushing or, or anything like that. And I, I wouldn't be surprised, frankly, if Daniel Jones kind of takes some of that rushing work uh, on, yeah. on his own shoulders uh, while Barkley's out. John McKechnie of rotowire.com making his weekly appearance in the sports zone every Tuesday at this time. All right, so what other running backs uh, might be hot or you think should be uh, active on the waiver wire this week? Right, so, um, you know, again, uh, we were just talking about uh, the, the Giants' backfield and, and the Browns' backfield. Um, I think beyond that, maybe Zach Moss, if he's still kicking around um, with, mm-hmm. while Jonathan Taylor is still um, on the shelf. But, you know, Zach Moss gets 18 carries uh, last weekend. I feel like he's someone to keep an eye on. Tajay Spears is definitely seeing more work uh, than I had anticipated. Derrick Henry tends to be you know, the, the end-all, be-all of, of that Tennessee um, backfield, and that it feels like they, they are giving him a bit of a break by way of uh, mixing Tajay Spears in there. And uh, Latavius Murray is someone who, you know, has basically assumed what what I envisioned to be the the Damian Harris role, which is basically the the idea that in Buffalo, James Cook can be a fine player between the twenties, but he's not going to get you the the uh, the short yardage stuff, especially down near the goal line. So Latavius Murray could be that you know kind of classic guy who has a very very subpar yards per carry mark. Uh, not even maybe a ton of volume, but if he's falling down in the painted area uh, once a week, you know that there's some value to that. So Latavius Murray is someone to keep an eye on, and then um, uh, we'll have to keep an eye on the Dave Montgomery injury. He called himself week to week. Dan Campbell disagreed with his own uh, diagnosis and said, "No, he's day to day." But regardless, I, I feel like there's there's almost an overreaction from the, the fantasy community. It's like, okay, this is where Jameer Gibbs 
uh, gets completely unleashed. I don't see it happening that way. I feel like Jameer Gibbs is going to kind of have this frustrating pass-catching first type of role this year for whatever reason. I can't quite figure it out myself. Um, but I feel like Craig Reynolds is someone to, to, um, to definitely yep. uh, throw a waiver wire bid on this, this week. He, he's not flashy, but he's a solid player. He can do the between-the-tackle stuff. He, he's, you know, 216 pounds. So he, he's got that, you know, kind of anchor ability that, that Gibbs uh, simply does not. So I feel like he's about to, to be in line to pick up some, some nice um, opportunities, some valuable opportunities in, in that line's backfield once they get down uh, into the red zone. Okay, so the Rams. You know, Cam Akers is unhappy. What a stunner that is. He seems like he's always unhappy. Uh, he was inactive again, or not again, but well, going back to last year, I guess I could say again. Uh, he made a miraculous comeback from uh, basically going to get traded or whatever last year. Rumors is going to be traded again. If you have Cam Akers, what do you do? You have Cam Akers, I think you have to hold on because I think the light is coming at the end of the tunnel as far as uh, his relationship with the Rams is concerned. I think that, you know, with all these injuries that, we, that we've been talking about in backfields across the league, Akers on a talent basis is probably at worst like a top 24, maybe top 20 uh, type of running back. And there's a lot of backfields that, that could use his services. And for whatever reason, uh, Sean McVay does not seem to care for the, the stylings of one Cam Akers. So it feels like he's going to be you know, moved for probably not even that much at this stage if you're the Rams. But I think that he gets a fresh start somewhere else here in the, in the next week or so. And, and therefore, I feel like Cam Akers' uh, uh, managers – feel like you should try your best to hang on to him. I, I couldn't totally blame you if uh, if you had to make a cut um, and, and he was he was the, the obvious guy. If you have shallower benches, that, that type of thing, I definitely understand that. Um, but beyond that, when it comes to this Rams backfield, it does look like Kyron Williams is going to be the guy going forward. He has the, the good pass-catching ability, decent running ability, but not, nothing spectacular. A lot of the under-the-hood stats, that came out after Sunday kind of showed that he wasn't actually all that effective as a runner on Sunday. Just, you know, for fantasy purposes, he scored the touchdowns and, and therefore, you know, it, it's all well and good. Um, but do we really expect that going forward? Is he going to be a top 24 running back going forward? I'm not quite there yet, but I think at the very least, Kyron Williams is a very solid flex option um, here um, as we move on through this season. And I have some interest in rookie Zach Evans out of TCU. He's a five-star, five or Ole Miss, I guess, but initially TCU. But five-star recruit coming out of high school, uh, good efficiency all throughout his, his uh, time at the collegiate level. I think on a t- pure talent basis alone, I think he is the best player in that Rams backfield. But, you know, that as we learned with Cam Akers, that doesn't always matter in Los Angeles. That would be very true. Okay, on to the wide receiver front. Anybody you're targeting to, to you know, claim tonight or you know, scoop or you know, buy or however you want to do that? Well, Josh Reynolds um, seems to be, um, you know, sticking in Detroit. Uh, he's, he's not overly flashy or anything, but he's a very solid player. Um, I feel like he, he's someone that, you know, opposite Amon Ross St. Brown gives the Lions a, a bit of uh, a, a size weapon. Um, on the boundary, and you know, I, I continue to be skeptical about uh, how Jamison Williams is going to be is going to look once 
he is back from his suspension. And if Reynolds continues to do well enough, maybe he doesn't disappear from the offense just because Jamison Williams is back in the fold. So it, it's not a high ceiling type of move here, um, but I do feel like Josh Reynolds is someone that, that is worth rostering across most formats. I can't imagine that Nico Collins is, is a free agent most places, but it, if he is, um, then, then he needs to be scooped. And then uh, Marvin Mims, uh, really, really, you know, kind of invisible in, in week one. Uh, but his two targets this past weekend add up to 113 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that seems yeah. pretty good to me. That seems pretty interesting. And you know what? Uh, with, with a Broncos receiving core that really has only Cortland Sutton uh, set and ready to go, I feel like Marvin Mims is going to see his role expand even as Jerry Judy uh, gets healthy and gets himself uh, back into the fold there. So I think a Sean Payton offense is, is able of supporting multiple wide receivers. We'll see if Russell Wilson is. Um, but but I do think that, that Marvin Mims is someone to, to take a, a stab at or throw a dart um, this week. I have him on my deep uh, you know, fantasy team. Seven receivers we carry in this league, though, but he's on that list. So hopefully he'll get uh, some run like uh, run and production like he did last week. All right, Drake London was a free, uh, frequent target against Green Bay. Is that going to be, I wouldn't say a regular thing, but more than what he was getting before? Right, obviously. So he was one of the big storylines coming out of week one with, with the just kind of invisible uh, stat line, one target, no catches this week. Um, you know, the, the squeaky wheel got, got the grease. Seems like that might never happen for Kyle Pitts, but that, that obviously is a different discussion. We could fill probably an entire segment on that. But um, when it comes to Drake London, um, it's encouraging that, that the Falcons were willing to, to open things up a little bit more offensively this past week and trust Desmond Ritter to, to get the ball to his playmakers. And having Drake London catch the, the six out of seven targets, find the end zone, that's right in line with, with – uh, with what we can kind of expect uh, for, from Drake London. We're, we're not going to see him get the crazy volume just because this is a Falcons offense that simply doesn't want to throw it uh, 30 or more times in uh, most weeks. But the, what you have to remember is that Drake London has the biggest claim to whatever targets uh, there are available in that offense. He really clicked with Desmond Ritter towards the end of last season. So I think as the season progresses, that week one game, is going to look more and more like a fluke, like a blip, uh, rather than something that we should have been concerned about. Because that, that's a guy who's a top 10 pick, and deservedly so. Um, he's a different type of receiver. I mean, he, he's, there aren't too many players in the league uh, with, with his measurables that, that can do uh, what he can do. So I, I feel like wheels up for, for London here going forward in a, in a game uh, in the dome against Detroit coming up this week is uh, is a nice way to c- continue that that trend. Tank Dell, Jaden Reed, uh, how available might they be, and should we try to get those guys? Um, both both should be available, and I think if you're just doing your your due diligence, doing your roster churn every week, and, and clearing out some of the dead weight, I think you can you can justify making room for for either of those guys. The problem I have with Jaden Reed is that, you know, Green Bay has, has come into this year with a very banged-up receiving core, and it's going to get healthier. Christian Watson's going to get back in the fold. Romeo Dobbs is going to get healthier, hopefully. And so I, I feel like Jaden Reed made the most of his opportunity this past weekend, of course, but um, I, I stopped shy of, of him, like, 
necessarily being a lock to produce um, going forward once, once the rest of the Green Bay pass catchers are, are healthy, whereas Tank Dell, you know, chooses competition. Is, is, is How much do we think that Robert Woods is going to be standing in his way? In the- Whoa. See if we can get John back. Corey, give him a shot back. Okay, we're all you know, going got a couple more things here, but uh, you know we're talking about uh, you know John, uh, you know Tank Dell. He actually, I believe, he led the college football world in targets last year when he was at the University of Houston, and he was certainly frequently uh, he was a you know, preseason star and caught a lot of attention, and he was certainly a frequent target. Uh, the many passes that. Uh, you know, Houston has had to throw the first two games of the season because they've been chasing points pretty much every minute that they've played so far this year. So that may be a possibility. You know, Reed is take Reed's taking advantage of some of the uh, situations in Green Bay with some of their other injured receivers. All right, John's back, and uh, you know, let me really quickly. I want to ask you about Justin Fields. Um, I think it's it looks like he's actually regressed. I know it's two weeks. Uh, should fantasy owners be looking to sell? And uh, if so, what would be a fair return for him? Oof. Uh, you know, it, it's tough to sell on, on a uh, you know, fourth-round pick in, in fantasy. And, you know, he, he obviously started slow last year before kind of finding his groove mostly as a rusher, um, you know, in, in the back half of the season and kind of became, you know, a fantasy MVP of sorts. But I don't know if you can sell right now because the – the market is so low. The return that you could potentially yeah. get for him, like if, uh, if for instance, uh, someone needed a, a quarterback and was a little bit wealthy at, at receiver, like they're probably not even going to give you Puka Nakua for for yeah. Justin Fields at, at this stage. So that's how quickly stuff changes. But right now, I, I think um, Justin Fields managers uh, just hope that you had a, a steady backup that you can put into your lineup. You know, someone like a Matthew Stafford, a Kirk Cousins. Uh, Daniel Jones, even someone like that, someone that went you know anywhere between six and eight rounds after Justin Fields. I, I feel like those are the guys you need to just kind of have your steadying presence here for another couple weeks. But right now, I do not feel comfortable rolling Justin Fields out there in my starting lineup, and, and that's you know full stop. It, it really does look pretty abysmal from him and the rest of the Chicago offense. Okay, last up, as far as the question goes, Sam Ho- Sam Howell, is he a two-quarterback league guy now, at least? Absolutely. Um, he He's someone who I, I I think the longer that we go on, the more we'll be confused as to why he fell as far as he did uh, in his draft. He was a star for, from the time he was a freshman at North Carolina. Um, I know he's not the, the tallest guy in the world, but, you know, Baker Mayfield has, has made it work through Breeze, not, not that I'm ma- making that direct comparison, but you don't need to just be hung up on that. And, you know, I think Sam Howell being able to sit last year and, and kind of take in the NFL before having to take over the, the offense himself uh, certainly has, has helped matters. He didn't get thrown into the fire as a rookie, has had some time to become a professional. And you have guys like Terry McLaurin, and Jahan Dotson and Logan Thomas in that in the uh, in the offense there. I like Sam Howell a lot. I've, I've felt that he was a top twenty-four quarterback for fantasy coming into this season, basically sight yeah. unseen uh, as a starter. And after two weeks, I don't I don't see how you can see anything different. 
Yeah, I'm with you on that. I actually have him in that same deep league where we have three quarterbacks on our roster. So that uh, was a, you know one of my smart draft picks. Not all of them were smart, but that was a good pick, I think, at this point. All right, John, let everybody know how to uh, get a hold of your stuff and listen to you and other airwaves. Uh, so you can check me out uh, on Twitter over at John's underscore tailgate. Uh, usually just tweet about football and uh, these days a lot about the Orioles as well but uh beyond that you can find me on, on the on the roto podcasting network so anywhere that you listen uh to your podcast roto is on there on the roto nfl podcast I, I do the 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 weekly fantasy preview show with with our guy mario puig uh that's on thursdays yeah. and also we do an nfl specific uh betting article that's myself and, and uh nick whalen who's one of our prime uh media guys so we do that every thursday night um, as well. So Thursdays are busy for me. Uh, I talk a lot, but uh, you can check me out uh, on those podcast feeds. I remember that Mario Puig guy from somewhere in my past. Okay. Good stuff, John. <laughs> as always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Hopefully, we won't be talking about an injury from Monday night to start the conversation. Yes. Knock, knock on wood there. Let, let's, uh, let's get through week three clean. And uh, thanks again, Bob. Yeah. All right. Good stuff, as always, from John McKechnie.